podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening. Welcome back, viewers and listeners. It feels like we've been gone forever. I don't know about you, but for us, it feels like we've been gone forever. It's finally <laughs> Monday night. Serie A is back and we are back. Welcome to the Anglo Italian yes. pod. As always, my name is Rory and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Rory, it's been a long time, but I'm glad we can talk about some football. It's like been, I don't know, where where's that World Cup gone to? I don't know. It seems like it was ages ago now. It feels like a lifetime ago. Someone said, was it Gary Lineker on the FA Cup coverage the other day said that it was three weeks ago yesterday that Argentina were lifting the World Cup oh, wow. and it just feels like, yeah, a lifetime ago. There's so much football that's happened since then. There's been a lot of Premier League. We've missed a bit of it. Yeah. Um, good news, Arsenal are still top and more <laughs> points than when we left, so that's good. Um, but also, Serie A is back, and we only missed one game week of Serie A, so don't complain too much, we but did. we came back for a great game week this week. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, in our absence... We have to say kind of goodbye to a few people, really. And the first one, mm. it kind of hit really hard this week, especially being in Italy. Um, yep. I kind of saw the impact of the announcement. Um, and this is, of course, Gianluca Vialli. Now, a person who has been kind of fairly widely, like openly dealing with, with illness for a very long time. Mm. Um, he came back. From I think he was in remission in the 2021 yeah. Euros, um, came to work with his best friend Mancini, which we'll get onto. And that hug between him and Mancini at the end, we'll get onto it, but it's one of my favorite footballing moments. Seeing the way this country has, has reacted to him mm. and someone who is loved so <laughs> much by Juve fans, by Sampdoria fans, by mm. Cremonese <laughs> fans by Italy fans in general, like the yeah. whole country really, really felt it. And it did feel like a Sunday it was, wasn't it? It was like a weird, mm. weird day or Saturday. Sorry, it was a weird day. Um, and it, the, the mood was definitely kind of low in Milan and across Italy, I think. So we're going to kind of say Arrivederci, Luca. Hopefully we'll see mm. you on the other side. Um, but Adam, your thoughts, memories of uh, Gianluca? Yeah, memories-wise, um, just even earlier today, I kind of tried to remind myself of the goals that he scored, mm -hmm. like his performances. And the one thing you can say, he was class acts off the pitch, but he was also class acts on it. I think mm -hmm. we forget about what he did on the pitch sometimes. And for me, the earliest memory was him with that Juventus side, that won the Champions League with Ravanelli, for example, and Marcello Lippi being in charge. And for me, that was the first time that I kind of observed and saw what he was all about i know there was a lot of previous with his time at sampdoria and obviously cremonese being a big influence in his uh, development as well but even when you look at the stuff that he did at chelsea he was that kind of first influx of foreigners really that came and made a mark in terms of the premier league and made it that intercontinental um, league that we see today um but I think what people seem to talk about more about Luca is the gentle personality, mm -hmm. the guy that would give like 50 minutes of a time, you know, and it didn't matter what kind of circumstance, like if you were asking him to join a show, he would be openly there just talking to you about just normal life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why he won so many friends, no matter 
who the opposition were. Um, and I think that really tells a story about Luca. Um, wh what about you? What was your kind of memories of Luca? Yeah, I think just the the acrobatic goals and so many yeah. overhead kicks and bicycle kicks and just beautiful, beautiful goals. And as you kind of alluded to, the he was one of the first foreign players in the UK where it felt exotic. It felt mm. like, oh, we've got... Because people forget now, it's so easy to forget that the Premier League wasn't a fashionable league in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. It was where players came to finish their careers. Yeah. It was not a fashionable place. And... He here he was this Champions League winning Italian handsome classy player who was mm. coming over and kind of gracing our league with his abilities and I think it felt like like you said a real watershed moment for the Premier League he was part of that first yeah. wave of foreign players and I remember being really excited by him as a kid and being like wow there's an Italian mm. in the Premier League and he's good like and the the success again it's easy to forget that Chelsea didn't always have success before the money arrived he delivered one of their most successful periods as a player and a manager winning the FA Cup winning the League Cup right League Cup yeah European I Cup as well say. yeah um like he brought one of their most successful periods he was that beautiful thing of a player manager that we don't see anymore mm. which is like <laughs> it's a shame <laughs> on this pod we love a player manager and I feel like he really really just like yeah, for Chelsea fans, you can see how much they absolutely adored him and how mm. much the English media just fell in love with him and English people yeah. fell in love with him. I think it was um he's he's left a really huge, huge legacy. And you you're right. I think ninety-nine well, everyone has who's been talking about him has not been talking about the football, they've been talking about the person he was off the pitch mm. and how much of a gentleman he was and how like yeah, just friendly and beautiful the person he was. The video of Graham Souness talking about him yeah. was heartbreaking. Like a Mancini, man, like he's lost two of his best friends in the space of a couple of weeks between Viali and Mihailovic, who also mm -hmm. kind of went while we while we were on our on our holidays, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think it I just can't imagine what Mancini's going through like they not only were best friends but they shared a career together like yeah the Jamelli de Gaulle the Gaulle twins like they delivered Sampdoria their only Scudetto <laughs> like and, and they were unbelievable that season and then him and Mancini worked together at the Euros and two players who were kind of ignored by the Italian national team for various reasons. Mm. Mancini, because he was a pain in the arse, and Viali, because <laughs> I'm not sure why. But two players that never really had the playing career with their national team that they would have dreamed of. Mm. Seeing them together winning the Euros, okay, it was against England, and I really wish England would have won it. But it's one of my favorite images in football history is that hug was. between those two. Yeah. It's just a beautiful moment when you understand and you know what those two people, uh, what Went they've through, been to yeah. together. Mm. Um, it really, really was beautiful. And I, I just want to finish with a, a Twitter feed who was a Cremona fan and I need to get his at up. Um, but he was talking about how much just, Viali means to the city of Cremona and just saying that mm. at no point did he lose his Cremonese accent at no point did he like he always carried Cremona with him and I think mm. the city as a whole are just incredibly proud of him I'm going to try and find that app because I'm not I'm not sure where it is I will bring it up um but just someone who always knew where he was from and always kept it with him and I think it's just a beautiful beautiful yeah. um the tributes have been incredible mm. yeah just just incredible human being and uh 
Yeah, I, I still remember some of those goals, like you say, the acrobatics. I just loved it, even the fact that he was a chain smoker as well on the side. <laughs> he loved loved it. He didn't care so much about being in the limelight. I think that was the beautiful thing about him. He really didn't play up to the cameras or anything like that. That what you saw on the pitch was probably what you saw as a personality as well. And even in the UK today, Rory, we had um, Scott Minto choking mm -hmm. up on live um, telephone phone in, basically talking about Luca Vialli's life and what impact he had on the Chelsea team, not just, you know, as a player, but more behind the scenes. And I think mm -hmm. that story that you mentioned about Sunes and I think the fact that he, I think it was pushed him into a lake or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was all about that beauty of Viali and how he took it as well. And th this was just him all over. He was just a generous person. Yeah, exactly. And the follow, sorry, I finally found it is at Lore Coe, underscore Coe. And he says, Gianluca Viali for Cremona was not just a player. He was a symbol, a man from Cremona who left the oratory of Christ the King and climbed to the roof of Europe, becoming one of the best of his generation, a person of whom all the inhabitants of Cremona are proud. I think it's just a beautiful, the, the thread itself, I'll retweet it again. It was mm. really beautiful. Um, but yeah, Arrivederci, Luca, we are incredibly sorry to see you go. Um, but we need to kind of like, not to rank <laughs> the people <laughs> leaving, but there's been a few kind of disappear, um, mm. sadly. I think that the biggest, well, Pele, bloody hell. Bloody yes. hell. Like very, very quickly, because everything's been said about Pele, really. The most important footballer of all time? I think... When you think about everything in terms of football, how you're kind of come to know about the greats, the first name that comes to mind is Pele. And it doesn't matter if you're not into football, it seems to everyone resonates with Pele as mm -hmm. being the kid that wasn't maybe in the fortunate position at the time. You know, even I think there's a story that circulated that when he was in America, um, he asked someone behind the counter about you know they were an ex-footballer and they were selling I think it's just like clothes or something like that mm -hmm. and he made sure from that moment onwards that he saved all his money because he realized that it wouldn't last much longer because <laughs> yeah. he was at that point in his career I think it was Cosmos I've forgotten the team but um, yeah there's a fascinating story about him there and the impact that he had on people as well like yeah. I think even after his playing career he kind of was all about the game, you know, people development and just sharing his wisdom. I think that's mm -hmm. the beautiful thing that we seem to uh, not maybe appreciate so much from Pele. Um, mm -hmm. I think we always see him as the ambassador, the um, yeah. the guy that had this incredible record, which some people doubt, obviously, but we 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 won't. Talk he about did that. definitely add a couple on, like he did definitely yeah. add a couple on. But... <laughs> Probably a few from the playground, right? But yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I think just I, the, the video that like I'm sure everybody has seen by this point, but that video of whatever you've seen your favorite player do, Pele did it first. It's fucking yeah. mind-blowing. It's just all the tricks, all the skills, yeah. everything. He was doing it with a crap ball, crap boots, crap pitch, and just absolutely. I think you could go to somewhere, someone in the heart of Texas who has never watched a game of <laughs> soccer and ask them, name me a football player, and Pele is the player that it's they're the coming out one. with, right? And it's just he is he was he is the most important footballer of all time, and it 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 hit me really hard when the news came through. I was mm. like, "Damn!" I, I just remember it was the first play. I think I put it on Twitter that 
my dad told me about the first player where I was like, right, yeah. if you're into football, this is the person you need to know about. This is the person you need mm. to watch. This is where you start, right? Yeah. And I think that is just, um, yeah. Uh, God damn it. There's been a few. Sinisa Mihailovic as well. Just an incredible yeah. career and incredibly sad to see him go again. Another long battle with illness. But we're going to kind of leave it there for a bit because he's yeah. getting a bit... Sorry, guys, but we need to talk about football a little bit. And we're going to start with Serie A because, God damn it, I've missed Serie A. I've really missed it. Yes, and they have made it incredible, an incredible return as we have a lot of last-minute drama. <laughs> Three different 2-2s, all with goals scored in the 90-plus minute. Mm. We're going to start chronologically, and I think we okay. should go with What's the point in beating Napoli if you can't beat Monza? What the hell <laughs> happened to Inter on Friday night? Friday night, Saturday night, Saturday, Saturday night. night. What yeah. the hell happened, Adam? Uh, well, I think Monza's players were, I suppose, motivated by more bunga bunga, weren't they? Um, <laughs> that, we forgot about that during the uh, kind of uh, period that we were away. But I mean, it's just incredible because you're thinking. Even to that point, I thought Inter would grind out the result. It was 2-1 at that point. Mm. Um, Monza had a few chances, it has to be said, leading up to that goal, but not enough to be kind of, you know, that's going to be, you know, a lot of pressure and they would, you know, be able to um, capitulate as it was. But, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a hopeful ball into the box and Dumfries is marking the man. Somehow he manages to get his part onto it. I, I can't remember his combination of his head and his shoulder, I think, mm -hmm. of the deflection. And it went in, it looped over Onana. And you could just see just the bafflement across the Inter players. They were just like, not again, not again. And, <laughs> and, and the to thing be is fair, like Martinez could have sealed the game. It could yeah. have been like three or four before it got to that point, but it just couldn't be more clinical up front. And Lukaku's first touch was horrendous during this match. Oh, it has to be God. said, but go on, let's get your thoughts on this. As I, well. do I do wonder about Lukaku. Did you see the video of Jekyll <laughs> laughing after the first touch? Oh, it's so good. It I do. I, I, I genuinely wonder about him. I think the guy's mentality might just be like, I don't know if his ego is too big or he's just, I don't know. There's just something not right there at all. There's mm. something not right. And I think this Inter move has been a disaster back. Like I know he's had injuries, but even yeah. when he is starting to play, like I think against Napoli, to be fair, he did play pretty well. He led the line quite well. And I think he showed flashes where you were like, ah, here he is. But then he does this the next game, but then all the interplayers do this the next game. And you think, well, you might as well have not bothered to beat Napoli. You just exactly. completely waste wasted the result. But I think even if you look at the game itself, like Monza Inter, Monza gifted into the second goal. Like Pablo yeah. Mari, you're welcome, Monza. <laughs> um, he absolutely, I know he's been through shit. I'm sorry, Pablo. He has, but like, yeah. he did that at Arsenal all the time. That happened before as well. Like, But I think he absolutely gifted that to Inter. That was yeah. their way to win the game. You're right, they had several chances and they just were not able to put it to bed. I feel like into they need to get this Marcus Turam deal over the line just to have yeah. a different just have a different option. I don't even know if it works. I don't just because Martinez after the World Cup he did not have a good World Cup despite scoring that winning penalty. He didn't mm. have a good World Cup. He's not coming into no. this in form. Um, Lukaku definitely not in form. <laughs> Jeko 
is one of our Luke's, this generation's yeah. most underrated strikers, without a doubt. People do yeah. not understand how good that guy is, but he's also been called Edin Checo, Checo being blind in Italian yeah, for a yeah, season yeah. because he drops, he does miss sitters, and I think if and then you've got Correa, who I don't even know if he's still at Inter, like. Well, he they came need... on. He came on. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> they need another. They needed uh, another option, I suppose. I don't know. For Monzi, I have to just say fair play. I genuinely thought yeah. they'd really be in trouble this season when they first came in and they'd kind of done a Nottingham Forest, right? Brought loads yeah, of players yeah. and it just wasn't working. And no. now they're starting to settle. Now they're starting to get a bit more kind of stable. It helps that they've got teams below them that are much worse and definitely cut off. I think if those teams weren't that bad, we'll get on to them. Mm. Maybe Monza would be in more trouble, but they're, they're starting to look like they could be relatively safe this year. This is a big yeah. result for them. And I think actually their home form off the top of my head has been pretty decent. I think going to Monza hasn't been the easiest place to go to. No, they, they've, um, they've beaten Juventus earlier this season. Yeah. So, you know, they've taken their fair scalps. And I think, if you remember back to that period, Palladino had just taken over at Monza as well. So he's brought in a fresh philosophy, got the players that, as you alluded to, were brought in. You likes of Pessina and played. I know he started off the season a bit injured, but again, there was some question marks why he didn't kind of play a bit more um, before that point. And you know what? With a few more additions, Monza could be a solid team mid-table. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, you know, I think we shouldn't be surprised by them. If you look at another team that's come up, Lecce, I think they've done fantastically well. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about them in a minute. But um, as you say, I think Monza, they're the kind of games that you should be trying to get points away from home and um yeah inter i think there's worries behind the scenes as well like obviously inzaghi is a bit frustrated by the fact that it doesn't look like he's got a lot of money to spend stephen shang also <laughs> yeah. this is the problem what dues i don't know what what's the kind of thoughts in italy about this but stephen shang apparently joking at the inter milan christmas party saying make sure you drop off uh, five euros when you leave uh, the party like because the club needs it. And uh, so he, he seems a bit influenced by a bit of, uh, what can we say, some drink perhaps at this party. Yeah, I think he... seem a bit wasted. He, I think he definitely loves being the owner of Inter. He definitely loves <laughs> being like the face of it and loves being like, I own Inter. I own Inter. But like, it, um, yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely all the other clubs were laughing at Inter for that. And I'm pretty yeah, sure... I might have seen it on the news, as in on Sky News, that clip. <laughs> I feel like I might have seen it. Um, but it's kind of not far off from the situation that Inter are in, though. Like they, yes, it's the, true. Like, the, the murkiness behind all the, the Chinese clubs and the money and, you know, like Evergrande have just gone out of business. They've just folded. Mm-hmm. And the team that... Um, Sunning did own they folded two years ago a year ago yeah like none of the money is certain nobody knows how much of it there actually is and i think there's kind of been links to the saudis coming into inter and they're kind of coming and going and i think at some point there's going to be a sale but inter do not have money i I, like Mm, whatever they do it's going to be through sales or through borrowing, borrowing. Well, this is the big issue, isn't it? Scrinia's contract, if they don't sign it, apparently they are prepared to sell him and they've set the deadline, I think it's next week, for Scrinia to come back to the club so that allows them two weeks to try and sell him before the window shuts. Now, there's a certain PSG that are waiting to yeah. kind of do an offer. However, 
given the circumstances and you know they're not as prudent with money i'm sure they will wait until the summer to sign screen yeah. so yeah you know yeah, inter yeah. Like themselves over at the moment inter are not in the position of power there <laughs> like no, <at> all. <laughs> they're really not in the position of power but yeah inter i feel like now that's kind of the nail in the deathbed of any kind of title charge i think i kind of if they were to be making a a run for the scudetto i think it's kind of gone now they're 10 points behind napoli they're basically going to be fighting for champions league now they're three points ahead Mm. of uh, roma and lazio and three points behind milan so kind of just sandwiched in the middle there i think we might see them finish there before Um, we leave them what did you make of Lotaro Martinez's thoughts on um, Inter Milan's Champions League push? I don't know if you saw the quotes, but apparently he said, um, yeah, we, we're still in a hunt. We we definitely feel we're going to win a title. Is that just purely ch- true optimism from the guy, given that he's got this high from Argentina or... Do you think he's just on one? I don't. I don't know. But I, I feel like if I just won the World Cup, I'd be claiming I could win everything going as well. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like maybe it's a bit of. I think players have to say something, don't they? If you know what I mean, it's it's they got Porto in the next round. They should be doing that, Jesus. But like, ah, Uncle Sharma, good to have you on board, man. Good to have you on board. I'm still weirdly confident. Screeny, I will renew, mate. It's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> Um, no, I, I get the feeling that he actually really loves it in Milan. I think he was just, mm. if he is he trying to bargain for more money, trying to see what the club are going to do, if there's any kind of improvement that's going to come around him. I thought that when PSG was sniffing last summer, that was mm. going to be when he left. I really hope yeah. he stays. I really, really hope he stays because the last thing in the need is a centre-back disappearing at this point. I don't think defence <laughs> has been this, this as strong as it has been in the past. So hopefully he renews. Um, but Uncle Sharma, we'll be getting you on the show again after the transfer mm. window, definitely to talk Serie A. This is your official invite. So, <laughs> yeah, come on board. Um, we do need to move on to another 2 2. Um, which one should we do next? I'm going to let you pick. Let, let's, go, let's go for yesterday's match, which was Milan versus Roma. Because I did see how Roma were going to get back into this. And my narrative, I had the notes ready. And then in five minutes, it got completely ruined. A bit like we talked offline about reporters and their lifestyle. We had to rewrite the narrative, didn't we? I honestly, I put a tweet up about two minutes before Roma <laughs> yeah, scored. Saying, <laughs> saying, oh, Milan have absolutely cruised through this. Roma are miles off it. This has been a non-contest. And then, of course, Ibanez rises, jumps like a salmon to head yeah. it home. And then Tammy Abraham, I've got to say the defending on both those set pieces was absolutely awful. Um, But Tammy Abraham, after the rebound, right, Um, smashes it into the roof of the net. And I've never seen, without Mourinho being on the sideline, I've never seen a more Mourinho result (laughs) in my life. It was stunning. But we'll get to the end. Let's talk about the beginning. Milan looked very, very good for 70 minutes, right? They made it look like Roma were bad, but how good were Milan? I think for the first 45 minutes, I'll give you the due. I think, I'd, I don't know if you're being generous with 70 minutes because, yes, there were moments where, you know, Liao, when he assists Pabega for the goal, you're kind of like, mm-hmm. yeah, they've they've cruised this now. But I didn't feel confident that they'd actually seen out the game because if you notice, Zalewski in particular on the left-hand side was, you know, causing some troubles. You know, he was, I think mm-hmm. that what didn't help Calabria on that side was Salamakas had a, terrible game 
Let's have a word about Giroud as well. Is he feeling hangover effects from the World Cup? He didn't look great here. Um, but he had to... one chance where he should have scored, but he put it yeah. straight at the goalkeeper, right? Yeah, for, yeah off the exactly. Top of my head. And then you, you talked rightly about the kind of marking for the goals. Like Tonali was the one marking Abanias, and mm-hmm. Abanias just bullet header, as you say, leaping like a salmon. But for me, Zalewski on that left-hand side caused problems. Pellegrini, I thought it had a really good game for Roma. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know about you, but it was the substitutions that changed. Matic mm-hmm. came on, for example. El Shuari, not, not not the greatest kind of like appearance, but even when Belotti came on, you kind of felt that there's something was going to happen. He gets in the way, doesn't he, he gets, Belotti? Yes, he just yes. gets in the way. Exactly. And I think... I've got him in Fantacalcio and I'm like, come on, man, you need to get a run in the team because that guy, <laughs> if he was at Torino, he'd be on 10 goals this season already. Least, like, <laughs> it does it does feel like he really should be playing more. I know Tammy Abraham has had an incredible season last season. This, I hope, is a huge moment for him and that he's got that goal. He's got that kind of chip off his shoulder and he can go and get, get a bit of form yeah. behind him. But I think the turning point was actually when Milan took off Benacer. Yes. I thought he had such a great game. And then mm. the midfield was completely lost then. The, the battle for mm. midfield was completely disappeared. And it was also this mad thing. I'm sure there is a psychological study somewhere, but how teams only start to play the second they go 2-0 down. <laughs> like, they were 1-0 down for so long, and Roma did absolutely sod all. Yeah, and then exactly. the second that second goal went in, they were like, right, okay, wake up, boys. Um, yeah, exactly. So for Milan, what does it... We'll get on to Roma, but what does it say about Milan, and what are the lessons for them from this, from this match? Because that was a big opportunity for them to catch up with, with Napoli. It was, and I think what we're learning is that Purely still has that bit of like naiveness to his tactics. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes, like there's certain games where, even against Inter uh, in the derby, he hasn't been great. Sometimes he hasn't like seen the game correctly or like seen what what are the kind of patterns that are taking place. For example, so in this particular game, like you say, taking off Benesset, why did he need to take that? Like decision, like surely we should be trying to press for another goal. And I think when you've got the bench that he's got at his disposal, you'd expect a lot more to come out of it. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I felt like purely is a bit naive at times, and that's that's the thing that seems to be killing them. But equally, th- there has to be shared blame here because it's also the players that switched off for those moments, critical moments, and it seems to be happening quite consistently. Now, interestingly, uh, Tata Rosano seems to be getting a, quite a lot of abuse from Milan fans. However, for once, I think he's decent, for once, I thought it wasn't <laughs> to blame for either of those goals. No, no, he, no. He, there's no way he was going to make a save from Abanias. And that second one, he gets a, like, a, like a save out of it, and no yeah. one is following up. So, Tata Rosano, for once, wasn't to blame here. But, I thought he had a good game, and he's... His penalty save last year arguably won them the Scudetto. So I think Milan fans might have a bit of a short memory there. Like, But I think, yeah, he's obviously got a clanger in him. But I thought he had a very, very good game. I thought he had a good game. Yeah. For, um, for Roma, now, as bad as they were in... Like, I, I've never seen a team refuse to press so much. There was <laughs> yes. no... Like, there's... I understand that you... Like, the low block, etc. right? But literally yeah. letting players have five minutes on the ball to pick out a pass cannot yes. be a way to win a game. And no the lack of running, the lack of what seemed to me any form of urgency, I can't even... 
see that being like we know Mourinho is a negative in inverted quote like yeah. manager and he's very conservative, let's say, right? Yeah. But he, there's no way he's saying don't put pressure on them. Don't no, let no. them, like, give them time to think. Give them time. Like, when you do that to Milan, they will tear you apart because they've got great technical players. They've got Leao on the wing. They've got Tonali who can pick a pass. Like, it just seemed like Roma were absolutely playing into their hands. Mm. But then <laughs> you have the fight of a Mourinho team and you have to turn around and go, fair play. Like, you have yeah. absolutely pulled a draw from the jaws of defeat there and you've shown that you do give a shit you've shown that when you try you can play yeah so what the hell happened in the first 60 70 minutes i think they kind of absorbed it uh, i don't think it's the right way of doing it to be fair because they were so deep in their own half it was just like are you going to make a tackle? Like, are you going to put some pressure? Like, even at times when they did get the ball, they didn't seem to do much with it. They just mm. kind of hoofed it up there to no one. So it was very easy for the likes of Kalulu and Tamori to kind of sweep up and just basically bomb down the wings with the ball or just get the crossfields balls across the wingers. And so it was just bombing more pressure onto Roma's half. And the likes of Small, Smalling, for example, struggled, I felt, at times yesterday because they were just bombarded constantly. Um, but equally, it almost felt like that was deliberate. They were trying to get players like Cristante that could, you know, do the legwork and then bring on the likes of Matic that have maybe 30 minutes in their tank to maybe just put their influence on the game. And I felt like that was a really tactically savvy move. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I think like with Roma, and I don't know what you think, Saniolo didn't have a great game. No. I, I get the feeling he'll be off if it's not this window. It'll definitely be in the yeah, summer. Yeah. Um, they do lack someone that's a bit more creative. I know they've got Pellegrini, but they do feel like... But it just... relies on him. If if he yeah. if he can't unlock it, and now teams know that they can just put three people on Pellegrini like yeah. and, and shut down Roma, really. And I think they do need that other outlet. Like players yeah. like Matic aren't going to give you that creative not, spot, no. right? I think Vinealdum was kind of meant to be that a little bit. Yeah, He was maybe. meant to be that shuttler in between, but obviously injuries mean he's not going to make an appearance this season, I don't think. Um, I don't or uh, I think maybe, yeah, I'm not sure. I think he, he, could he be broke his leg. He broke yeah. his leg. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a long time to recover from it. But so the big I one think that I think is meant... missing is Mikatarian. Sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but no, Mikatarian no, 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 no. was a yeah. massive transfer mm-hmm. from there to Inter. It, he had a fantastic game in that result against Napoli on mm-hmm. Tuesday. I think it was last yes. week. And yeah, yeah. this is the thing. I think they're missing him. He mm-hmm. was impact. I think he scored what five, six goals yeah, last yeah, season, yeah, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So I think they are missing someone like him, and that's probably what they're missing right now. They just need someone with a bit more creative spark. The problem is, who do you go out there for? Because uh, they've got money to burn, they can certainly you mm-hmm. know spend it, but I think it's going to be wise. Um, dare I say it, maybe it's someone like a Joel Felix would be a great addition if they could bring him in, but it sounds like he's on his way to Chelsea sounds for like a nonsensical <laughs> transfer again. So. Oh, dude, I, we're going to go on about Chelsea, but hiring all those Brighton staff to just copy <laughs> Arsenal scouting just seems like a complete, complete waste yeah. of money. Um, but yes, a great draw for Roma because mm-hmm. it looked really bleak. It just about keeps them in the hunt for Champions League places alongside their cross-city rivals. They are on 31 points in sixth place. Lazio 
on 31 points in fifth place. And all I've got to say is, boo that Lazio. I am absolutely <laughs> sick to death of Lazio fans. I'm sick to death of Lazio as a club. I dislike them. I really dislike them. Again, again, I know it happens in a lot of grounds in Italy, and it disgusts me every time. I've seen it at the San Siro plenty of times. But the racist abuse that constantly comes out of Lazio, it's just... It's about time the FIGC or Serie A or someone did something mm. and actually brought in strict, like, fines. Like, they've shut the Curva Nord, um, or they for, did shut the yeah. Curva Nord for, They're gonna the, shut it. for the next game. But there should be financial fines. I saw that Lotito, the owner of Lazio, mm. has tried to pass past fines on to the ultras and say, well, I'm not paying it, you pay it, you're the guys who do it. Right. Which I actually think is a very, like... Lotito doesn't have any great ideas, but I like that idea. Um, <laughs> but yeah, or like <laughs> we we are supporting um, Umtiti and the other Lecce players that were abused. I yeah. just I'm sick of seeing it in Serie A. Yeah. Always bloody Lazio. But I do have to say, on the same hand, there have been Lazio fans hanging banners in Roma saying no more racism in, in, uh, yeah, yeah. in Lazio. Not all Lazio fans are racists. I can only imagine how infuriating it must be to be a decent Lazio fan who isn't a racist bastard and just constantly having your club dragged through the mud. But yeah. in some kind of karmic justice, they go 2-0 up and they <laughs> bottle it. And in the last minute, Marin, who's in my Fantacalcio team, oh, was scored he? <laughs> in the 93rd, 94th minute. An absolute yes. banger of a goal. Absolute belter. What what a goal to rescue a point for Empoli, another team that are quietly having a pretty good season. I think they're like kind of just comfortable teetering, in Serie A, right? Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of in between. They could go higher up the league if they had a bit more quality players. Mm -hmm. um, I've kind of speculated that uh, a certain pole that plays for Fiorentina, Shimon, um, Shurkovsky could be the man because he's mm -hmm. been apparently touted to either them or Sampdoria. Now, given Sampdoria where they are in the league, I think he will be favouring a fourth spell at Empoli rather than going wow. to Sampdoria. But uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting for him as well as Empoli because, you know, Empoli are kind of in that group, aren't they, at the moment? Because you've got like Bologna, you've got Torino, you've got Lecce, Lecce. I mean, superlatives for Lecce. I, I <laughs> Every time I see them, I just see them creeping up the table, and it's beautiful to see. Beautiful. They to are see. like we said at the beginning of the season that they're going to be a team that's going to be super hard to beat, and they've kind of they've had those seasons of going up, going down, like the Norwich years, yeah, exactly. right, where they've gone yeah, up, yeah. down, up, down, up, down, and it feels like now they've gone right up, bang. Strefetsa for them is having a great season. Yes, um, they've got players like Umtiti joining. Is like exactly, I know that's he's a, insane. Yeah, I know he's a player who kind of lost his way at Barcelona, but that's the perfect move for him. Go into a club where there's not a lot of pressure. You can be that mm. main guy. You can find your form again. You can be that leader. You can be someone that's an example for everybody else. All that Champions League experience, top level football experience. I think like he's a World Cup winner, Umtiti, right from 2018. Yes, like, yeah, he was. Having that experience in that team is just absolutely priceless. I'm loving Lecce. But before we move on from Lazio, I do have to say, Zaccagni as well is yes. having an unbelievable season. season. 15 games, six goals, three assists. He scored again this match. It feels like he's really becoming the key man for Lazio this season. More than Immobile off the... Yes. I'm just checking yeah, his yeah. numbers. 
he's still got seven goals somehow, and I've not, I can't remember. Probably most of them penalties, of them. right? <laughs> I can't remember a single one of them. He's still got seven goals, so maybe not. But it feels like Zakanya's becoming a really key player for them, right? I was, I just had it in my notes to say about Zakanya, and like, it, I was a bit unsure on him. I, it has to be said, like, I wasn't too keen on him, but this season he is like. Sari's getting something out of him. He seems to be more consistent with his game, certainly producing the goods a lot more, um, less sloppy with his play as well. I think that could be angled at him previously, last season, certainly. Um, and I'm just trying to check what, what his contract status is, because if he's available on a free or, you know, on running down to 12 months of his contract, there'll be a lot of suitors for him potentially mm-hmm. in Serie A as well, because he's a solid player, Italian national. He could do a job for the likes of, Milan and dare I say it, even AC Milan, you know, I, I could mm-hmm. see him do really well somewhere like that. But I'm sure Lazio, if they're still in the hunt for the Champions League, they're going to want to keep hold of him and uh, make sure they can build on it. Um, Lazio, just typical sorry ball. That's what seems to be happening. Yeah, they they yeah. are class and then they just can't see out games. And Caputo, I mean, if you're letting Caputo score, then yeah. <laughs> Caputo, man. You know, the first goal as well, it's now been credited to Felipe Anderson, but it was originally ah, okay. given as a Caputo own he goal was, as well. Yeah. Um, so he was scoring at both ends. Hey, Caputo was class last time he was at Empoli. <laughs> I, I like him a lot. Um, it'd be good to see him back on the scoreboard. Lazio, yeah, they just keep letting points slip. Keep letting those... Like it feels like yeah. they've always been they've been so close to getting the win so many times, and now we're seeing that difference. As I said, in the table, they are now three points behind Inter in sixth, in fifth place, as Atalanta go up to sixth. They've just gone two one ahead against Ooh. Bologna. Don't tell me Daruna scored because he's against me in Fantacalcio. <laughs> Rasmus Hoyland. Rasmus Hoyland. Tayan Koopminers mm-hmm. and Orsolini opening the scoring for Bologna. So Atalanta currently up in sixth place. But before we leave Serie A, we need to go, and unfortunately, they could only stay away for so long. They are slowly creeping up. They have not conceded a goal in 630 minutes of football. Juve are coming, Adam. And is there anything (laughs) we can do about it? I don't think we can. We can't. We can't. I mean, why? Why is it happening? I, I... I was looking at it and although I think we just were in a hazy mist when we were like slating them because I think we've just been drawn in by the performances have been so depressing. Even was it against Cremonese when Milik scored that goal the other week? Like they were so depressing. 11 players behind the ball against bottom of the table, Cremonese. Like mm-hmm. what is going on? Like I'd be pulling my hair out if I was a Juve fan and I don't know how most of them have any hair, but like <laughs> equally like... They are getting results and it is a bit worrying because all these teams, like we've just alluded to, your ACs, your Inters are falling off the like a cliff. Napoli, obviously, they've got this. And now the teams that are due to play on Friday is it's Napoli and Juventus in the Coppa Italia. Now, this could set it off. Now, I was trying to look through the fixture list and obviously in the league, Juventus and Napoli don't have to play until I think it's March the 18th mm. or 19th, I think it is. And that's going to be at Juventus's ground. So this could, you know, be the point that we kind of say, you know, Spalletti, just get some more players in. It'll be fine. You can grind this out. Um, but yeah, there's something about Juventus, Chiesa coming back. 
dare I say it, Pogba might have an influence. I but think I mean, he's like the, the fact that they're doing this without Chiesa and Pogba and without Vlavic and without like this is a team that's only improving. So I'm going to go through the last game they lost in, in Serie A was October the 8th against Milan. They lost 2 0, right? Okay. Yeah. They've now beaten Torino 1 0, Empoli 4 0, Lecce 1 0. There's a lot of 1 0s. Um, Inter 2 0, Verona 1 0, Lazio 3 0, um, and then Cremonese 1 0, Udinese 1 0. And that is especially the Cremonese one. You're right. I was watching it with um, down in Puglia with a friend who supports Napoli. And before it was a fall Napoli game, and we were just sitting down for dinner, and I went, oh, it's 0 0. Um, they're going to score in the 93rd minute. I was like, Moise Kane in the 93rd minute. And as that goal went in, he was like, Father, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, yeah. why, are you, why did you say it? Why did you say it? It's just such an inter... It's such a Juve thing. Such a Juve think, thing. Yeah. But they, they are looking... That defence is on absolute lock. Um, and that is the big test for Napoli now. And this game is going to be won or lost in the heads of the Napoli players because this is a game yeah. that is such a psychological complex for Napoli against Juve. They just, they never seem to be able to beat them. And this is like, all the pressure is on Napoli. Juve head into this with like, if they win, good. If they don't, mm. like there's a bit of pressure to keep the Serie A title running, but the, the the pressure is so much on Napoli. And I think in the Inter game, we saw them crumble a little bit. Well, a lot. I think they did yeah. not play well. They didn't create the chances. Inter kind of dominated that game. What this win against Sampdoria is massive. They were helped yeah. by Sampdoria, 10 men, etc. But I feel like Napoli really, they have like getting that win is massive. If they hadn't have won mm. against Sampdoria, I think they go into that UV game and just absolutely roll over. I feel like this might give them the, the momentum to be like, right. We can do this. What do you think? How, what do you think of Napoli recently? Kvara has been Na anonymous. Yeah, I, I think maybe Kvara from that experience against Inter where they pretty much mocked him out of the game, made sure that they knew he was the target, man. I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on the second half of the season. Now, for me, if I was Spalletti, I'd probably maybe use him as an impact player off the bench. Personally, wow. that would be okay. me. I think... Every game that is going to be played in now, he's going to be a Mark's man. He's going to mm -hmm. be, look, what Inter did, right? This is what yeah, we're yeah. going to do with him. And I think there's an interesting quote going into those games, which was, you know, Spalletti saying, you don't need to train a player like Farad Skelia because he's that special, he's that unique. Yeah, yeah. But he does need to maybe mature his game to kind mm -hmm. of like, you know, a bit like Messi. He got, you know, a few punches, digs, and he needed to get in there and kind of make a mark and kind of go, I'll rise above that. I'll make a mark despite you trying to kick me off the park, mm -hmm. basically. And I think, yes, there's an element of he needs to have that experience, but the bigger impact is where he can play in those certain games with that he can maybe twist the games, you know, for the favours. It's not like they haven't got enough midfielders mm -hmm. that could play in his position. Even if you think about the rumours that are kind of swanning about, about who they could sign, if they could get one maybe a more attacking-minded player, um, because there's rumours about Zelinski maybe leaving this mm -hmm. summer as well, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, Napoli, I think they're still solid enough. I think they will still grind out results 
for me, it's just going to be a question. They need to kind of decide at this point what they're going to prioritise. Is it the league? Is it the Champions League? Is it, you know, domestic cups? I mean, they need to maybe just like maybe just rest a few players and just mm-hmm. take the hit if they are going to like sustain this. Um, yes, the, this was inevitable, right? Uh, I think what they did was incredible, but they need to find a point where they go, is this sustainable for the whole season? Um mm-hmm. Just another thing on Juventus. Wouldn't it be ironic if Arkadiusz Milik, the man that has got the glass legs, who was kind of shown the door by Napoli, um, was the man to maybe, you know, put it in Juventus's favour. It's kind of written, isn't it? It is written. It's kind of written. I can see. I can see him scoring and not celebrating. I can already see the kind of like. Yeah. Hands up, not celebrating as everyone swamps him. I can kind of, I can kind of see it. I just really, 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 really hope Napoli do it. If they do, they will go ten points clear, which yeah would be huge. The only saving grace is if they do lose it, it cuts their lead down to four points. It's still a sizable gap. It's still mm-hmm. enough that you can maybe pick it up elsewhere later on in the season. It's just a huge, huge test. It's going to be a massive game. We're going to talk about it more on Thursday, talk about a bit of the history between the teams, get into it a little bit. But just to whet the appetite a little bit, that is coming on Friday. Um, Elsewhere in Serie A, just to quickly go through the results, um, Salernitana and Torino drew one all in a... That wasn't a classic. I watched that one. Not great. Napoli (laughs) did beat Sampdoria. Um, Sampdoria, I think they may have the best manager they could have got. Um, I don't think they're going to stay up. No. But I think Stankovic is a... They they showed more fight in that game and more organisation, more discipline than I've seen from Sam throughout the rest of the season. I think yeah. if if they go down, which I think they will, and he stays with them in Serie B, which I think he will, I think he will get them back up and it could yeah. be a kind of rebirth for Sam Doria. So I think despite this depressing mm-hmm. bit that you're going to go through, I think there is yes. signs of hope with him yeah. in charge. What have you made of Stankovic and Sam? Yeah, I mean, there's always been this kind of hype around Stankovic, and I think they were. I think there's rumours that Inter were keen to maybe get him before Sampdoria made that move. But again, um, Sampdoria look a lot more stronger in the second half of the season. They got that fantastic result against Aswolo in the first round of games. So you know, there's something to build on. For me, I think when you're seeing players like Bartosz Berzinski being like pretty much sold off, he's yeah. going to Napoli. I know it's a loan deal and then made into a permanent. But when you're kind of losing that caliber of player who was pretty consistent for them during the season, he's probably their best performing player. They haven't got that kind of depth. And I mean, I saw on the bench, Harry Winks. Harry Winks is on the bench, but he still can't get a game. I mean, that guy. No. So, yeah. And kind of one of the weirdest transfers in the summer, that really, really weird transfer. Um, But yeah, unlucky Samp. Napoli, ruthless. They got the job done. Osimen, first player to double digits in Serie A. Love, love, love to see it. Um, Politano had a penalty save, an incredible save from Ardello. Uh, The second goal was a penalty as well, I want to say. Yes, Elmas. Elmas. Yes, the Elmas penalty. There was no Mm. save in that. That was an incredible, incredible penalty. And in the first game of the weekend, Fiorentina beat Sassuolo 2-1. Again, in the Mm. 91st minute, uh, Nicolas Gonzalez snatching the win for Fiorentina, who I think are 
They were wobbling a bit. They had a very, very underwhelming start to the season. Couldn't really score a goal. They now find themselves in ninth on 23 points. Yeah. Maybe not really kind of sniffing around a European place. They need to put a run of form together. But Vincenzo Italiano still doing a very good job down there, considering yeah. who he's had to sell. So we are going to move on to... Oh, my God, my voice is going. The FA Cup <laughs> third round... The magic of the cup lives on. It's it's it it's illegal to talk about the FA Cup without using the phrase "the magic of the cup." So there we go. <laughs> the magic of the cup lives on. As I'm going to start with owls stun magpies yeah. as Sheffield Wednesday. Absolutely, I'm going to say until they really dug in at the end, they kind of outplayed Newcastle. Yeah, I think that's due. I mean, yes, there was some saying about the goals being, you know, the disallow, or should we say the offside goal that was given, should we say, um, by Josh Windass. Yeah. I mean, yes, I mean, that is kind of debatable, but but it was a fantastic performance to be expected because, mm-hmm. you know, Sheffield Wednesday are one of those sleeping giants. They are one of those clubs that are wanting to get back into at least the championship at this stage. It's mad um, they're in League it One. Is it's crazy. Mad. It is absolutely crazy. And uh, my own team, Wicker One, just played them on Saturday, which I cannot Christ. wait to see them. So that <laughs> should be fun. Um, yeah, I mean... What, what can we say about Newcastle more to point because they've been on this fantastic run and does this disrupt the kind of rhythm right now? I know it was kind of a very much a second like think, seeded team yeah. that they put out there. But again, I've seen Twitter and a lot of their fans are hacks off that they didn't at least try and do something in this competition because they haven't done it for years. This was a great opportunity for them to do it. <laughs> it was and like... then they decided how decide to rest players. I mean, why? Um... Because they're not going for the title, as Eddie Howe alluded to in his a uh, lot of his conferences. But it just seems like a missed opportunity. But again, a fair play to Sheffield Wednesday. That's all I have to say. Fair play yeah, it became it became a kind of running joke. Arsenal are 1-0 up. Thank you very much, John Anderson. <laughs> there we go. We get to play Man City in the next round. I can't wait. Um, the Who's got the goal? Oh, where's the goal? I'm going to find it. Anyway, um, yeah. I feel like with Newcastle, what was exposed really was that they've got very little depth off the bench. Um their once their first team isn't there it's kind of that championship standard that they had when mike ashley was there and of course it is they've Mm. not been able to or they've not it's not they've not been able to they've not gone out and they've not had the time to completely revamp the squad yet they've revamped the first 11 but they haven't revamped the squad i feel like yeah it's kind of it became a running joke throughout the Mike Ashley reign amongst Newcastle fans, as far as I'm aware, that in the FA Cup third round, they would just bow out and just mm. never get a cup run together. El Nenny, oh, the Egyptian Pirlo. Yes, mate, come on. <laughs> um, they, he, oh, I've, I've lost my train of thought, but it, it was a massive chance for Eddie Howe to kind of really signal that changing of the guard. Like, no, we are here now. We're like, you know, a challenger. And Newcastle, would have a chance of winning this with their first 11. Yeah. I could definitely see them get into the final. Um, and I think it is a huge, huge missed opportunity. Eddie Howe and Newcastle fans will be gutted. But for Sheffield Wednesday, they've got a manager I really like in Darren Moore. I think he was really, mm. he's been really harshly treated, treated in quite a few jobs. I remember him getting sacked at West Brom and I don't, I feel like he's done quite well at a few clubs. It feels like now he's found himself yeah. a place at Sheffield Wednesday where he can kind of rebuild, as you said, that sleeping mm-hmm. giant. Like that club needs to be championship at least 
it, yeah. it's criminal that they've not been in the Premier League for the last 30 years or whatever it is. They've not been in the 20 odd years, probably 20 odd years, right? Probably um, at least. But speaking of a team that's stuck in the past, we also need to talk about did you see the pictures of the lepping, the lepping lane? Yes. Um, yes. Now, <clears throat> allow me to get on my soapbox for a minute. Yeah. Football fans, how you show a complete lack of empathy towards other people's fans, knowing that on another day, it could easily be you, just by the grace of God, it's not you on that day in that fixture with those people in that situation. The Sheffield Wednesday fans, I know it's not all of them, but a lot of Sheffield Wednesday fans online being like, oh, stop moaning, get over it, literally in the same stand where like nothing has changed. Before, like, without going in on football fans too much because it's not their fault, just show a bit of empathy, guys. It could be exactly. you next week. How, and I understand Sheffield Wednesday have been in financial straits. I understand they've been kind of on the precipice and stuff, but how the FA or someone hasn't stepped in when there's a safety issue at grounds, how they haven't stepped in and how they haven't got the money to turn around and go, this needs doing now. We mm-hmm. will fund this and you owe us the money, whatever it is, yep. something to make it safe. Because what happened there was, and thankfully football fans are much more aware now when things like that are happening because yeah. human it's cost human lives for that awareness. Exactly. I think Newcastle fans were looking around going, Jesus Christ, what the hell is happening here? They ripped covers off seats so that they could spread further. Yeah. How lessons have consistently not been learned is just absolutely disgusting. Like, what did you think of it when you saw it? Yeah, I echo your thoughts on this because it's the lack of empathy, but also just the stories that are coming out is like the stewards couldn't, um, you know, control the kind of a lot of Newcastle fans coming through the turnstile. So it's like, right, history is repeating itself. And a lot of like Liverpool fans and even like fans of other clubs that have been to that ground, they said that Epping Lane stand should be just demolished yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's not just about the history of it. It's because of the way it's been built. Even it's the same the tunnel. Of, it's the yes, same path. this is the thing. Like, yeah. So despite the fact that it's got seats, that hasn't changed the effects of like when you've got so many fans going through at one time where it's not controlled and you're not kind of allowing for breathing space, it just gets packed to that point where you're starting to suffocation. And that's what happened in the initial disaster, right? So for the fact that there, you know, I saw so many of the Sheffield Wednesday fans like saying, took a picture, look, there's plenty of stewards on hand. Yeah. You know, it was just Newcastle fans being stupid. No, I'm sorry, but that amount of fans to be in that central reservation where we're talking about yeah. where the historical incident happened. And yes, granted, there's no huge fences this time around. But still, there could have been a tragedy mm-hmm. there. And yeah, yeah. I even heard about girls kind of being shaken up by the experience, you know, hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't know how that ground or that stand has got even a safety certificate yeah, yeah. to kind of well, say, this is fine. Well, this is it. And I've I've been reading the book and I definitely recommend it. I finished it re- recently. And mm-hmm. The Sun Shines Now by John Tempany, who's a Hillsborough survivor himself. And he describes the, 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 the Leppings Lane end and talking about even then it didn't have the safety certificate. Yeah. I don't know what safety certificate it has now, if it does, or what the staff are doing, what they're trained to do. But this needs to be like a huge wake-up call because we had it at the Champions League final with Liverpool fans again. And it's something we're seeing creeping into the game more and more is that 
un unticketed fans is an issue. Definitely people just yeah. trying to get in without tickets. That's definitely an issue, but that's what the staff are there for. That's why there should be more staff mm. to make sure only ticketed fans get in. Exactly. Like there's always going to be idiots. What you need to do is try and fucking control the idiots. Um, and a very good point from John Anderson on the mm -hmm. comments. Arsenal, I've been begging for Arsenal to get the safe standing in at the Emirates, get a bit of atmosphere, even yeah. more atmosphere back into that stadium. Celtic have got it right. I think there's a few yes. grounds in the Premier League that are trialing it. It would yeah. be great to have it, but this could put pay to it now if fans can't be trusted and if staff can't be trained to an adequate level to make it safe. I really mm -hmm. hope it doesn't, but it needs to be a wake-up call because it was just, I can't believe 30 years, whatever it is, 40 years on, yeah. we're still dealing with this shit because the authorities don't want to fix it. But we are going to move on there. Uh, mm -hmm. Congratulations, Sheffield Wednesday. Genuinely, an unbelievable yeah. performance, an unbelievable win. Um and yeah, it'll be great. Hopefully, you've got a knockout Stoke in the next round, right? They got Stoke 2 0, 2 0 Arsenal cruising. Now, there we go. The floodgates are open, people. Um, and we need to move on again within the FA Cup third round. What game do we want to talk next, Adam? I want to talk about Wolves and Liverpool because there are two controversial moments in this particular match. So, um, just to talk you through it, obviously, Salah. The goal that he scores, now this has been a hot topic here in the UK, Rory, is where a player is offside, then magically made onside because there's a flick on from a Wolves player. Is Salah not technically in a position where A, he's taken advantage of the situation, but B, is he not interfering with play? So this was the hot topic that um, TalkSport talks about today. And, you know, Ali McCoyce and Jamie O'Hara and Laura Woods were just basically all in agreement that, you know, in that instant, the law itself isn't arse, basically. It shouldn't yeah. be in a place where it allows this to happen. However, it did. So, you know, VAR in this occasion was not to blame. However, where it did go to blame was for the third goal that Wolves should have scored, but somehow, magically, it never happens because it was deemed that, uh, I think it was Totti, who was the man that scored the mm -hmm. goal, he was offside not that for one. the... Not that one, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not that one. Yeah. Um, not for Wolves fans, anyway. Um, yeah, for the first phase of it, where there's a cross from the sidelines, I forgot the name of the player, mm -hmm. crosses it in, it gets cleared out. He then is in line with a play, and, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold's being the man that plays him on for that second oh, phase, Trent, then gets his arm up straight away, yeah. basically saying, no, it's not me. He's definitely offside. And it does happen. However, it then comes to light that there's a certain camera angle that didn't work, that didn't allow VAR to actually look oh, into the goal itself. So it's like, for me, I don't know about you, Rory, but the game where Arsenal had to play Leeds, the game was postponed because for of like ages, failing. For yeah. ages. So why on this occasion? Granted, it was on TV, but regardless of that, they should have still postponed the match if technology wasn't working. So two really big moments. Great like draw, I suppose, for Wolves. They take it to a replay, get another opportunity. We have to talk about Liverpool in terms of the form is terrible i mean against so brentford bad. brentford deserved their victory the yeah. other night and mm -hmm. liverpool look atrocious at the moment and yeah. i know their fans are begging for more investment but let's just take this game into its like fruition what yeah. what do you make of that now that i've kind of translated what actually happens and what was your kind of thoughts 
I think this offside rule is always just like what is it the, the Bill Shankly quote is it if you're not in, if you're not interfering with play then what are you doing on the pitch like <laughs> I feel like it's kind of yeah <clears throat> the strikers could use it to their to their advantage I suppose much like goalkeepers could use it to their advantage if they just run off the line and make people offside if you know what I mean I think there's like there's always these loopholes I don't know how often they can actually be taken advantage of with the whole VAR thing it happened in Serie A this weekend as well the half time between Torino and Salernitana was like half an hour yeah. long because they had to wait to fix the bloody computers I think in the FA Cup, because you can't have VAR in all stadiums, maybe just sack off VAR and just say, right, yeah. in the FA Cup, there's no VAR. Or you fit VAR in every stadium and go, right, there's VAR. I feel yeah. like it has to be one of the two. So, yeah, I feel like it, at least no team won, right? There's no, like, <laughs> Wolves are out of the yeah. Cup because of that there bad decision. That. Or yeah. Liverpool are out of the Cup because of that bad decision. Mm -hmm. It was just one bad decision each. Let's replay it, right? <laughs> I think kind of maybe that makes it a little bit more fair, if not irritating for both sets of fans and the managers, I imagine, as they have another game to play, which is well, Jurgen Klopp's going to hate that, I imagine. Klopp was quite gracious about that. I think oh, he's kind of noticed that his performance in terms of Liverpool's general performance was quite shocking for this match. So just generally from that point of view, he was quite, for once anyway... A bit more sympathetic. <laughs> I do love Klopp. I do love him. <laughs> um, and John Anderson coming in. Salah's position made the defender attack the ball differently and therefore he was mm -hmm. interfering. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, I think it should have obviously been ruled out. Um, but they will play each other again. Elsewhere in the FA Cup, Unai Emery has beaten Bayern Munich. <laughs> He's beaten uh, Manchester United. Uh, but now he has been beaten by the mighty Stevenage. Um, what a result this was. I honestly, once I saw Villa go 1-0 up, I kind of lost interest and was like, ah, okay, there we go. That one's done. Um, yep. And no, it wasn't to be. Stevenage snatched it in the last minute. Adam, talk us through it. Yeah, so uh, I think at that point, if we talk about the game, so Villa kind of had an experimental side, it has to be said. You know, there's a few players rested for this match. A lot of Villa fans saying they didn't need to rest the players, uh, much like the Newcastle scenario where, you know, Villa don't get very much in terms of, like, chances at the FA Cup or anything like that. So I think the last time was when a certain Tim Sherwood took them to the semi-finals that one year, randomly. Um, but yeah. Three nil. Sorry, go on. Yeah. <laughs> Stevenage had their chances. They were very good. Danny Rose, in particular, up front, scored a goal that was a judge to be offside. Anyway, Morgan Samson scores first for Villa. And then you're kind of going into the latter part of the match. So second half, last half an hour. Stevenage make a few changes. Steve Evans, probably the roundest manager, oh, God, has to be said. So much. Have you seen the guy stand up, mate? I mean, he puts it. <laughs> I hate I don't know. Him. I honestly hate it. Yeah, there's him. some very vile stories about his trouser department yeah. after some matches. <laughs> that yeah, if you want to read it, yeah, please do. <laughs> However, let's talk about Stevenage. Fantastic, because yes, they get a penalty for a push by um 
uh, Leo Dondonka. Uh-huh. He pushes the striker. And yes, um, I've forgotten his name, but Jamie Reed, that's it, steps up despite Ashley Young giving it all this, probably learning that from his inter days. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he dispatches really calmly. He even said he was shitting himself at that very moment. <laughs> Anyway, then from a corner, pretty much the last minute of the match, Bednarek is kind of pointing to Jamie Campbell saying he's by himself, go and chase him down. He gets a ball. He kind of sees everyone's kind of marked. So he just has a shot on goal near post. Olsen, Robin Olsen, this is the goalkeeper that isn't very good, um, flaps at it and it goes in. And fair play, Stevenage, I think on the day, deserved that victory. What a day for them. Um, and they're a team that are on the up. They've been doing quite well in League Two level, it has to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, fair play. Deserve this beautiful, win. Um, beautiful. A beautiful result for the FA Cup. And just every yeah. year you kind of think, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to run out. And then they find a little bit of magic left at yeah. the bottom of the bag. And there's always some in there. There's always some in there. And Stevenage provided it this year. One of the teams to provide it this year. I want to also very quickly say I did watch the Cardiff-Leeds game. What, I really enjoyed that game. Really enjoyed that game. Proper so cup tie. Um, Leads a great save from the Cardiff centre back at the end of the game to try <laughs> and keep them in. It. Um, and there was a penalty save. There was oh god, all sorts. Had all sorts, um, yeah. But the player that really stood out for me for Cardiff, Philogene. Philogene, I thought was unbelievable. Yes, I thought he had a very Villa. very good game. Yeah, yeah, he um, was quite quite skillful you know some he looked like one of those cage style footballers the way he was like controlling the ball he was was just so like a moment where two leeds midfielders came to kind of sandwich him and he just backheeled it and just left and like like (laughs) when you see lift door shut they just went like that and he just disappeared um it was a beautiful moment um i thought he was really really good and i have to say two crew players came on at the end to kind of see out the game as Perry NG legend. Oh, um, yeah. And, oh God, the other guy's name's gone out of my mind now. Um, oh, the midfielder, I forgot his name now. Um, but two crew academy right. lads that came on and absolutely smashed it as well. A great result for Cardiff. They are struggling at the bottom mm-hmm. of the championship, not scored for ages. So, of course, Leeds let them score too. But Leeds showed a bit of fight at the end. Rodrigo having a very, very good season for Leeds. Um, yes. Actually coming up pretty clutch. Um, young player for them getting the equaliser. First ever Leeds goal. Beautiful moment. Um, and yeah, a great game. That second leg is going to be unbelievable because those teams really, really dislike each other. Really dislike each other. <laughs> yes, um, and elsewhere in the FA Cup, I think that's all of it. Any more games? Um, oh, Chelsea, want... Man City. Jesus, yes. Adam. We, we, we have to talk about that because, <laughs> yeah, hell. they already met in the league, obviously, um, midweek. And Chelsea were unlucky in that particular match. On this occasion, though, it just feels like, I don't know about you, but is Potter overcomplicating things? I know he hasn't got much of a squad at the moment because you you saw this lineup, and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, he's had to put a lot of academy players in this, like just to fill up the gaps at the moment. But then, I don't know. He's on his ass. He's absolutely on his ass. You have to give the guy a chance, though, because you know, (laughs) like I've seen so much kind of like he's got to be, you know, on last legs. He got the dreaded vote of confidence today apparently by the boards um 
at what point do you kind of say that you've had enough? Because he's still in the Champions League, right? I appreciate league performance hasn't been great. He hasn't been really given a chance to implement first his players, but also like transfers, they, like have a hand on that. What, what do you think? They do have, just quickly, they do have Dortmund in the Champions League. That is not a given, right? I know Dortmund are Dortmund, but that's not a given. I think, look, yeah. with Chelsea, they've appointed him, Todd Bowley, might as well have bought Brighton. He obviously wanted Potter. He obviously wanted his Brighton model. I think he's going to stick with Potter. They're not going to get relegated. They're not going to get Europe. It'll just be one of those seasons where they just... Chelsea do this. Chelsea do this all the time. They finish eight they do. every so often. And you're like, when did that happen? And then they go and win the Champions League in two years' time. You know, It makes no sense. This is what Chelsea do. Um, I think for their fans... Obviously, Thomas Tuchel being sacked was not a popular move. They love Thomas Tuchel, despite yeah. the, the 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 form that the team were in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I think sacking him was a bit harsh, um, and I think the Chelsea fans kind of feel that way. So Graham Potter was already fighting an uphill battle. Then add that to you come in, it's mm. your first big job. There's big question marks over you. Then all your first team players are out, like your two wing backs on which your whole system relies on Reese James and Chilwell have had 60 minutes between them 90 minutes between them like then you've got yeah all your first teamers basically out and you don't have a striker the striker you have got because you panicked to buy him for the old manager who you yeah, sacked, exactly you can't sign you you don't want to play because guess what he's passed it like it just the whole this squad is just a graveyard to lost ideas it's just a mishmash yes, yeah. of like the as Piliqueta has been a great servant for Chelsea, he's been one of the best defenders in Premier League history. Yeah. The guy cannot play Premier League football anymore. I'm sorry. No. I uh, I love that he's still like, you know, he, he's still club captain, putting a shift in, doing what's asked of him, but you cannot rely on him. And no. him alongside Thiago Silva, who I think might be older than him, and like <laughs> Chalabar, who is incredibly young and has these fits of just laps of confidence, laps yeah. of concentration. And it's just this whole mishmash squad. And I think with an old owner, Potter doesn't get the time. I think with this owner, mm. he gets it. They're buying these younger players who nobody yeah. really knows who they are, but they're spending a lot of money on them. Um, and kind of Chelsea bring them in. It's a clear the project they're trying to build, right? And they're yeah. trying to kind of change the direction of the club. I just hope they stick with Potter. We did say when he took over, this job is going to eat him alive. Like, yeah, yeah. we said it. And I think yeah. we're kind of, we're seeing it in front of us. If he does get sacked, it'll be the papers that sack him. It'll be... Yes, yeah, just it the, won't it'll be Ted Burley. Yeah, it'll be the media pressure getting too much and Todd just going, I, we cannot handle this anymore. I really, I feel sorry for Graham because he, when he says... He, I think in a post-match conference, he said, just because I don't shout and swear at you, it doesn't mean I'm not passionate. It doesn't mean I'm not angry. Like, I answer your questions respectfully because you're professionals. I'm pro I'm a professional. When the papers are calling in to question his personality and like, oh, has yeah. he got the balls? Has he got this? It's just so, we've seen it a million times and it was just bound to happen to him. I think, look, it's funny seeing Chelsea do shit. It's always funny seeing Chelsea do shit. But I think, I really hope that Graham Potter manages to turn it around. Um, they need a striker though. They, they just need yeah. a striker. And I don't yeah. know, <clears throat> I don't know if Xiao Felix is the fix. I don't no, know he's, he's not. He's fixed. not a striker. It's, it's 
goes back to that conundrum. You've got Kai Havertz, you've got him, <laughs> yeah, you've got Pulisic, who is obviously, by the look of things, probably Crocs, Sterling as well. I mean, you've got just too many similar players at the moment, and I don't know what is going on right now, but it just screams of like just just randomness at the moment from Chelsea. So, um, yeah, for those that cannot uh, see anything at the moment, Rory has just temporarily jumped out, but he's back with us, so that's all good. I'm back. Um, no, but I just feel like they're just replacing Havertz with Havertz. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. Absolutely weird. <laughs> oh, no. Well, there you go. That is the one. Um, and I did see they, they are apparently getting Christopher and Kunku at some point, but, you know, they've got yes, a great record yeah. from the Bundesliga, so it's fine. <laughs> a Bundesliga player has never done badly for them. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> Chelsea absolutely humiliated. Manchester City coast through. Um Oh, Christ, when that draw came through, we were, I was watching it with the missus and she was like, you know, Arsenal are getting the hardest draw, right? And I was like, shut up, just shut up. And then <laughs> Man City, happen. Chelsea, Arsenal. Right, cheers, thank you. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's Christ alive. Uh, so the <laughs> FA Cup, um, elsewhere, very quickly, absolute goal fest um, in the Midlands as Coventry lose 4-3 to Wolves, yeah. uh, to Wrexham. Wrexham. Um, Panzo sent off in the fifth, 57th minute, Paul Mill, Paul Mullin, of course, Mullen, got his yeah. goal, got the yeah. penalty um, that made it 4-3. So the win, no, made it 4-2, 4-1. Um, I'm kind of yeah. figuring this out as I'm looking at it. But an incredible game there. Um, good to see them putting a bit of a cup run together. I know we don't really like, you know, financial doping teams, but the documentary won me over. What can I say? Um, yeah. And elsewhere... Finally scanning through. West Ham beat Brentford. Massive for them. Sunderland through against Shrewsbury. Yeah. And Grimsby march on. Another non-league team still in mm. there. No, League 2 in it. Grimsby of League 2 into the next round. After League beating two, Burton. Yeah. 1-0. That is everything, guys. I think a bit of like, we're going to keep up with transfer news. Thursday show. Preview yes. in the weekend. Talk about any transfers that may have happened. Hopefully, we're welcoming Mikhailo Mudrick to London at some point because <laughs> I'm getting sick of this already. Hopefully, we'll be welcoming him. We'll be welcoming Vout Veghorst to the Northwest. That'll be fun. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. God, that's a mad one. And we will be talking about Juve Napoli. But guys, keep an eye out on our social media because there may be more transfers in the offing. There may be some yes. announcements to come. We might, we might see Fabrizio Romano say something. Just he watch. may, he may Just be watch. having a word. So keep an eye on our social media, guys. As always, oh, as always, got a bit excited there. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Um, match with us on uh, LinkedIn. That's not the word. Uh, follow us on <laughs> <Connect>. TikTok. <laughs> and I have a new personal Twitter because I got locked out on my old one. It's at Rory SC underscore T-A-I-P. Give me a follow um, because I'm starting from scratch. If you want to follow Arsenal things, I'm going to try and keep Arsenal off the main page too much <laughs> and try and shift it onto my personal one. You can tell me how I'm doing. Um, Adam, anything to say to the listeners slash viewers before we go no it's been quite a enjoyable episode as ever it's good to get back in the full throw of it and i'm looking forward to uh this news that we've got but it's also rory we've got a load of guests haven't we we've got some we have really got really fascinating very busy guests week. as well i've got we, a very we busy are week. very busy you in particular have got a few early ones but yes 
No, I'm recording. We won't spoil it. We won't spoil I'm, it. But the no, I'm recording Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, and Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning next week as well. Um, lots of exciting things. Some, yeah, some big guests. I'm excited. Yeah. So, guys, we will see you on Thursday. Um, enjoy the rest of your week, and yeah, Arrivederci. Ciao. I need to press the button. <laughs> <laughs>